Hello, this is Pete Van Epps, and welcome to another edition of the Camber Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. And so on this episode of the podcast, I am continuing my conversation with Rob Carranza. So if you missed the first one, go back one and, uh, and pick up the first half of this conversation. Rob is a research and development engineering manager at Johnson & Johnson, specifically Ethicon, which is a medical device operating company within uh, within Johnson & Johnson. And so uh, in this continuation of the conversation um, from last time, we start talking a little bit more specifically about his role and some of the things he's focused on right now. So uh, we get into co- concepts like um, cross-functional project leadership. He shares a little bit about how he's using some of his military experience in day-to-day life at Johnson & Johnson. Uh, We get into um, applying certifications to his work experience, managing conflict. Um, So we go go pretty broad, but but, uh, we touch on some pretty important uh, concepts along the way. And then lastly, we start talking, start getting into this this book that Patrick Lincioni wrote recently called The Ideal Team Player, and specifically around concepts about being hungry, being humble and being smart, which uh, uh, I just want to recommend if you haven't picked up The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni, I strongly recommend it. It's a great book and, and one that I'm certain will have a positive impact on your leadership. And so um, I hope you enjoy the podcast a little bit about Cameron Brooks. Uh, here at Cameron Brooks, we are a company that helps junior military officers transition from the military into leadership roles within leading companies in corporate America. So if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about Cameron Brooks, you can find a lot about us on our website at Cameron-Brooks.com. Okay, I hope you enjoy the rest of my conversation with Rob. Here it goes. We haven't talked much about your career path. I'm looking at what you did, what you know, some of your LinkedIn profile, just to get a perspective. It looks like from there you took the lead role on two different products uh, over a period of time, and now you're in a, into a life cycle management role. So maybe just very quickly, can you talk about the the product focused leadership? You don't necessarily need to talk about the products, but necessarily. Uh, uh, specifically yeah. what you were doing there, and then and then lastly, I'd love to talk about what you're doing right now, this minute, and the work that you're up to. Sure. Yeah, the, pro- the product-focused team lead was, uh, it is, it is an initiative for our business to basically um, look at our, our product portfolios and have a belly button for each one of those. So um, it's why... JMOs are so highly uh, coveted in in industry, I think, is because we don't really look around the room when it comes to taking charge and saying, hey, I'll lead this. We just do it, right? And, um, and sometimes we have all the facts. Sometimes the facts are a little bit ambiguous. Um, but you, you say, I'm going to own this, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to go. So from a from a very high level, that's exactly what the product-focused team lead is. You work, um, and I say in general you, the, the product-focused team lead works in such a matrixed environment that um, cross-functionally you could be working with 20 partners in different, matri- in, in different silos uh, where you have no direct line um, 
reporting structure to them and they don't to you. Mm -hmm. uh, but influentially, your leadership has to be uh, pretty solid in that role because at the end of the day, after you take care of your people, you give them the resources they need, we have to deliver. And um, that really is a, the, the bare bones um, explanation I tell folks about that PFT lead role is you need to deliver. And navigating within the matrix and the silos is, um, it is, it is the way of the world. Um, you know, whereas we're accustomed to in the military, the hierarchical type of organizational design, um, at least in, in my world, that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So um, the PFT lead, you know, what I loved about it specifically was that now when I was a product development engineer, I was really in the weeds on the medical device. But now I got to flex my MBA. I got to look at everything from a from a leadership standpoint and in what I had to, you know, how did I communicate across these different, uh, you know, cross-functional structures? And then how did I ultimately, um, I felt like an entrepreneur, to be honest with you, Pete. I felt like every time the, the ticker on my, my revenue or my, my product, you know, if it, if I showed it was growing at X percent, I, I felt directly like, man, yeah, we did that. Um, right. All the way through the supply chain to uh, the customer's hands. So that role was so fluid and dynamic. It was, it was tons of long hours and the dedication, the stuff that we, we do in the military, and, uh, and one that is <laughs> very well suited for the JMO because you really, it's almost you have to be a little obsessed to be in that role and to deliver. What were some of the, you know, you said, you know, matrix environment, probably, you know, maybe up to 20 partners outside of your specific um, um, organization, or at least from the development engineer perspective. What were some, you don't have to go through all 20, obviously, but what were some yeah. of the bigger silos that you were engaging with and, and, and partnering with to, to bring all this together? So the, the three, I think the triad that I've come to uh, encounter in this role with my previous roles and even the one today that I'm in is there's always operations. Uh, operations, uh, you know, folks making the, the devices uh, at the plant. I, that's, that's such a huge partner for us. Um, sometimes it can be very easy to look through a straw and say that the work you're doing, uh, you know, I'm now in Cincinnati, so the work we do here in the R&D and we, we get into our, uh, our CAD and our simulations and sometimes we, we forget that the, our partners down in operations, uh, down on the plant, manufacturing, they're, um, they're just as crucial in closing the loop and getting the feedback. Um, so that's one that jumps off the top of my head. And then yep. for um, our other partner that we heavily are involved with uh, is our quality organization. So, you know, me having some experience um, in both the my space operations and my C-130 operations with uh, training and standardization evaluation, um, I have a different, uh, you know, I can come into meetings with my quality partners now and understand that at the end of the day, we just want to make sure we're abiding to the credo of, you know, enabling our, our doctors, our customers, 
um, you know, in our patients, really the, the quality devices that they need to, um, you know, for us to fulfill that credo that we are putting out great product. And sometimes it means saying no, stop, uh, using very assertive statements. Sometimes there is a little bit of conflict that you, uh, that you encounter uh, when you have these meetings with your partners. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, and I've said it a couple times already in this meeting, we, it, it is a big boy, big girl program. And when we put that stuff on the table in advance, we, we're at least to, uh, you know, get that subject out there to where if we just kind of kicked the can down the road and didn't address it, worst case is we could ship something out to a customer that doesn't, uh, you know, meet the expectations uh, and cause some, some kind of big risk uh, to safety. Uh, but I think why we have those real good conversations with those partners here, um, you know, early is because we want to we want to alleviate that altogether. That's good. Yeah, very, very helpful just to put a lot of context around something that I think people are very interested in. And then now you're you're moved on from being product focused team. So now it's if I'm if I'm thinking about this right, you're now now you're leading a whole life cycle for a specific product. Am I am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. So we're still we're still siloed off, but now essentially I'm in a um, it's a life cycle manager, but really is also a project director role. So uh, weekly I report out to directors and VPs on the status of uh, sustainment engineering. Um, we have, you know, everything from our uh, our improvement projects, uh, whether they be cost or just functional improvement projects. We have our uh, any kind of quality uh, in your face type of um, um, projects that are just really kind of hot uh, on the plate now. And then those are those, uh, and I mentioned them earlier, anything that's coming through in the pipeline uh, with our new project development, we, we advise on those. And then uh, we also weigh in a lot on any type of um, integrations or acquisitions. So, okay. so it's a very fluid role. Um, and, and again, we are still very uh, matrixed, but at, in my role, it's as close as it gets to being um, hierarchical as as the project director. So my operations folks, my quality folks, um, development, you name it, all of marketing, it, uh, it all flows through. And uh, at the end of the day, I have to be able to, um, you know, uh, address things with, with directors and, and VPs to uh, convey where we are on, on sustainment. So it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a great role for me because um, right now it's a lot of strategy involved uh, around doing, you know, we've, and this is a great message, doing more, doing more with less and, uh, and really just trying to uh, get the efficiencies up in our processes. So I've been using, uh, since I've gotten to J&J, continued my um, my uh, certifications and uh, so I've got a J&J black belt now um, I've, uh, I'm certified PMP um, and I've also gone out and uh, gotten uh, my certified supply chain uh, okay. specialist certification so those having those skills in my my tool belt 
are allowing me to talk across all these different levels of folks on my team so that I can really just ask that question in the team meeting of, well, what is our, you know, what is our fulfillment at our regional distribution center? Why is this being stagnant versus fluid? Or, okay, the device performs in this manner. Can we also get it to perform this way? Or, and so really it is just taking off a hat every meeting and, uh, and bouncing around. So for my brain, uh, coming from the aviation world, that, that, that fits very well, and, uh, and, and I love it. Well, can you speak to that? This brings up a really great point. So you mentioned earlier that you were black belt trained in the Air Force prior to coming to J&J, which you were able to use some of those process improvement ideas and initiatives that you you learned previously. And then now since being at J&J, you've been um, retrained on Six Sigma. Sounds like maybe the J&J well, plus you have your PMP, plus you have your supply chain certification, a supply chain certification. You know, what's the value in your mind of trying to achieve all of those certifications in the military before getting to business as opposed to, um, you know, figuring out what you're going to do in the business world and then start going down the road in terms of very specific? I feel like they're both important, but I'd love to hear your, your take based on, you know, you've done both at this point. What is your overall take on, on some of those certifications pre- and post-military? Sure. Uh, no, that's a great question. Uh, for me, Pete, when I started the journey back in uh, 2014 and, and as going through the DPP with Cameron Brooks and that reading list, for me, that wasn't just a, um, you know, I, I love the power reading technique. I teach it to my folks here. I've carried that forward uh, with my folks here. Uh, but in that that reading list, I started to see some common themes. Right, and I think it was when I was speaking to Joel Junker during one of our one-on-ones. He's like, "Rob, you need to be able to have some kind of a common language," and that really resonated with me. So, at the time, I was wrapping up my Six Sigma, my my process excellence education, and uh, and I I remember thinking, okay not only will it be good to sit across from all these multiple companies and tell them that I am certified, but I need to be able to show them how I've exercised and create those. How did I make those wins in my organization now in the Air Force? And then they can then correlate with their problems and say, okay. And that's how I ended up in that first role, that product development engineering role. It was very much a hot plate role. They had issues and you know, for them, you know, for me, using the Demaic, um, um, you know, uh, framework, it was very, very easy for me to integrate quickly with teams and, and, and throw the Demaic framework out. And it, it built the trust in me, you know, it was really just saved me a lot of that time aware team, uh, team members, you know, who is this guy? He's a right. C-130 guy, and he's a space operations guy. What is he doing? In this? And, you know, so if I had to break that down as, as quickly as I could. So um, that that helped out a ton. Um, and so I don't know if I answered your question, Pete, but that, that was yeah, kind of did. what my mind was. Yeah, what, what, I, what I got, what I just heard you say is, you know, getting some of that upfront training, you know, allowed you to speak the language gave you some credibility from the outset, right? You know, who, like you said, who's this uh, aviation space ops guy? But, but you had some of that language and credibility and, 
and knowledge that was originally impactful and helpful and then and then since then you've really just grown from that having a more specific training in Lean Six Sigma and then also now getting your PMP and working on supply chain so so it really is feels like both are really important for similar reasons but different in some ways right I mean generally when you're getting a Six Sigma in the military who knows how that will be applicable in the business world? It, hopefully, it will, or it will in some degree or another. Uh, but the real, you know, in terms of very specific applicability, comes once you're in the role, figuring out the role. Okay, now I know I need to add this to my repertoire in order to be more effective as a manager. Absolutely. Right? Is that where you were yep, going? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I've, I've kept you for a long time, but I'm dying to ask you one more question because you said something to me earlier in the conversation that resonated extremely strongly. You said hungry, humble, and smart. And I know that's a big Patrick Lencioni thing from the ideal team player. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that book. I've been talking about it for about six months now. So yes, are sir. you, did, did you pull that from, uh, from the ideal team player and, and have you been reading that and getting your team to read that book? Absolutely. I, I've, and again, I, um, I'm a Lencioni fan myself. So, yeah. you know, for me, um, I, I, so I, I get totally, you know, uh, uh, crediting, you know, the old Cameron Brooks system. I, I, I knew that, especially in this new role, because now I was very much on the individual contributor side with the first two years I was here. Everyone saw Rob as this is the guy that can get you something delivered quickly, and he can navigate this this matrix really well. Um, but then, when I got promoted um, to my my manager role, for everyone, regardless of how well I've been performing, it was quick, and it took a lot of folks just kind of by surprise. Um, so for me, um, you know. They have still well deserved. They were I was getting all the the nice happy emails and this that, and the other. But for me, I still knew it was the elephant in the room. Um, and so coming into a team again, research and development, right? So you think R and D, I think Skunk Works, I think of all these, you know, folks that sit in front of their their in their cubes and they're sitting there and they're hashing out the next best thing. And um, and so I knew coming into this role, I needed to much like I did with all my training before I left the military. I needed the common language and I needed to be able to um, kind of give a real quick checklist. So C-130 guys and gals, we're big friends of creating these checklists, things that are just register off the top of your head. And um, I coach a lot of my, my junior engineers now that are leading significant projects. And I always get feedback from them that's something to the tune of well you know I've, I've, I've got uh, I've got these I've got teammate X and um, you know I'm, I'm having to go back and forth and this that and the other and um, it's affecting my delivery right so um, you know right from the Lencioni book you know really it boils down to three simple things for me the the humble hungry smart I've I've gone a little bit further on that and uh, and I, again, because I'm a data guy, and I've created like bounding left and right for each one of those. Um, so for me, the the humble is um, there's a left and right to that. 
if you're too far left on the humble spectrum, you can create self-doubt. So if you are creating self-doubt, you are on the road to anxiety, which then leads to fear, which then leads to non-productivity. And, and I've seen that uh, case after case on, on some of the, um, the projects and, and the folks that uh, we work with. Those things come in hand. I mean, it's, it's crazy how they follow. So the way I tell my team is you've got to take self-doubt and be aware because you, you have to be aware of when that's entering and, and why that's entering your, your frame of mind. But then like a, like a virus, you've got to get, get it out of your life. You've got to treat it like public enemy number one. So whether that's by raising your hand and saying self-admitting I, I am really stuck or I need more resources or I need to engage, I, you got to do something. So that's my right. message to the team. Um, and then on the far right side of the humble spectrum is the, the you know, all right, well, I puff my chest out. I think I'm, uh, uh, you know, gift to engineering. Okay, but how do you deal with a setback? So if you're a type A and you're, you're on that pedestal, the first time something happens that doesn't go as planned, how do you, how do you bounce back? And then to me, that rounds out the humble piece of that whole thing. Um, and, and I use that with my team for them to kind of gauge their, their sub-projects and their mini-teams so that they can always have a, a gauge. Um, I tell them the hungry is really just this, this essence of your energy. Can you energize? The hunger that you have inside of you, is it contagious? Is it can you bring that same hunger to a team of uh, six or seven folks, you know, the two pizza rule, six or seven folks on your team, and, and then really just spread that hunger and, and, and is it contagious to your team? So that one's really easy for, for you to kind of gauge, right? right? And then the, the smart is always the, the people and the technical. So the technical, uh, you know, is always the – I picture uh, – a y-axis and an x-axis. The y-axis is like my, my competency, and then the x-axis is my uh, my skills, skills A through Z. And then I picture this Pareto chart, and because I'm a data guy, I put a upper spec and a lower spec across that Pareto chart, and then I say to every engineer that works for me, none of you are all the same. In fact, that's why I love it. That's why I love my job every day is because they're all different. But some of them are higher at the, uh, at the upper spec of task A than maybe their peer, who could be right around the lower spec. But their task B is much higher. And so it's more that self-awareness and having the, uh, you know, so as I'm leading a team, do I want to put um, – you know, employee A on task B when I know it's something that they they, they don't like it, they're not good at it, um, but they need to be conversational about it because they need to be able to go through their – okay, so there's a meet in the middle there. No, I'm going to put employee B on that who is just really, you know, excellent at that task that will drive results quicker uh, and then be able to kind of deliver that. So um, – and then the people side is a little bit of a right. tie to the emotional intelligence. That's right. We, we have, you know, we have to be able to observe our surroundings, 
be thoughtful with the folks we work with day in day out and then um and really just understand okay I know you're loaded because that's the biggest complaint I get today when people are loaded on the team with, uh, you know, there's not enough hours in the day. Right. So how can I help that person? So that's where the technical come or the, the people uh, comes in for the smart section. So that's a great book. I love it. I take oh, that yeah. thing. I, I, I try to tattoo it on everyone's uh, brain when they come in for, um, you know, just, this is a great gauge to, to yeah. say, am I, am I going the right path? Yeah, we we've been we've been uh really um I, you know I I turned I listened to I was listening to a podcast I think I was listening to the Entree Leadership podcast Dave Ramsey's leadership podcast and uh and Lin, Patrick Lencioni was on there talking about the books I was like oh okay I've already read a couple of Lencioni let me go check this one out and and you know it's as you know it's a it's a pretty short read and it's uh you know it's uh fable oriented it's like a story so Got yeah. through it pretty quick. Shared it with a couple of coworkers. We've we've implemented it. We've got try to get everyone to read it. We've we've interviewed someone based on some of the ideas and concepts that he puts in the back of the book. So I'm just a huge fan. So as soon as you said "Hungry, Humble, Smart" earlier, I was like, oh, I got to latch onto that because uh, because we've been pretty latched onto that right now. I just want to make one comment. You know, you said earlier when you were talking about coaching and managing your team. You said four things. The fourth was be thoughtful, which you just repeated a second ago. But you also said, which really I think speaks very well to that that smart that that you know when when Lincioni talks smart, he's talking mostly. He's not necessarily talking about intellectually smart. He's mostly talking emotionally smart. And you said be elegant in doing some of that leadership. And I just thought that was such an impactful word, in that you know there's just a way to go about. Um, you know, you said caring intellectual curiosity, being observant, be fickle with your thoughts, be thoughtful, and in all of that, be re, re, really elegant, which I think speaks to being humble, it being it speaks to being hungry, and it specifically speaks to being smart. So uh, I just thought that was a great, great word to describe how you were doing that, and I really, really appreciated that. that yeah, no, that. I, that's the one thing I'm working on uh, for myself. Um, this year, Pete, as for our goals is, you know, um, the elegant piece is also a little bit of, um, you know, what's your presence, right? And uh, being in this new managerial role, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in such a, a flux of my audience where I could be talking to a VP as I go down here in a couple minutes to get some lunch and a casual conversation yeah. in the hallway. You know, there's a big audience that's walking by me and that VP, you know, so what is that? how am I presenting myself to yeah. to that VP and what are – so really just that elegance, right? And I think you hit it on the head. It does tie in really well to Lincioni's, um, you know, hungry, humble, smart. i got to tell you, this, this has been a really great conversation. I've learned a ton today. Hopefully people that are listening to this learn a lot as well. I appreciate the time. I mean, you gave me a full hour, Rob, and I really appreciate that because I know you're a super busy guy, but – Boy, I know that your experiences are going to translate significantly well outside of those who are listening to this. So, hey, thanks so much for being a part of this. You, uh, you've been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. And please let me know in the future if I can ever pay it back to you in any way. You let me know, and I'll be glad to do it. Absolutely, Pete. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, this is my passion. I love doing this. So uh, we could have done two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know it. You got it. All right, good deal. Thanks, Rob. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Okay.